Oye, que pasa? What are you doing here? This is where I hang out with my boys. I think you're in the wrong area. Hey, look, I'm just waiting for a friend. I don't want any trouble. Really? I know who you are, Sarah. I know who you are. I know who you work with. I know you work at that center over there, right? With all the Christians. Listen, my sister came in. She was in a fight. She was all bloodied up. She needed some help bad. And I hear that you were the one that helped her. You were the one that cleaned up her wounds. You were the one that put the bandages on her. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know what I think about you Christians? This is what I'm taught in my religion. This is what I'm taught where I'm from. You guys are dangerous. You guys only do things to benefit yourselves. Listen, I know you're liars, you're cheats, you're thieves. What are you doing? What are you doing touching my sister, you Christian? Hey guys. So the truth is this is a real life situation. A real girl did come in um, last fall and she had been in a really bad fight with one of her um, girlfriends and I had the opportunity to um, clean her up and it was a really... It was a really um, impactful um, situation for me because this girl is a very rough, rough girl. She's um, she's 15 and she comes from a very bad background. And so I was able to show the love of Christ to her um, and plant, hopefully plant the seed of curiosity as to why we are there, we are here um, to work with them and to build relationships with them. And the truth is guys, we're the only Bible these kids will probably ever see. Our lives are the Bible to them. And guys, we have to be open books. They have to be able to see us in complete transparency. And that's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. We're here to minister to these kids. Wow. May God bless you all. Thank you for this opportunity to share with you. Well, I'm Brad. This is my wife, Sarah, over here, and our kids are in your wonderful children's club right now, and we are pretty excited about that. We're so thankful to be with you guys today. Uh, we, we know that, wait, if, if, if I wander a little bit, do I still get video coverage? Is that okay? Okay, I'm a wanderer. I've always been a wanderer. So hey, listen, uh, we, we know that you guys have been praying for us. We received these cards in the mail from Terry, and, and we know that you guys are right there with us. We know that you've been going through things with us with the transition. You send us gifts at Christmas time. Hey, 500 bucks for Costco. Woohoo! You guys are amazing. Seriously, our kids get some seriously cool toys, not to mention the cool toys that I got and Sarah got. Okay, You guys are a blessing to us, and we want to say thank you. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for holding on there with us. We went through a lot with COVID. We went through just, whew, wow, so many difficult times in our first term. And we want to say thank you. Thank you for being there with us. You are our family. You are our Philida family. And we do not forget you in our prayers. And we know and we love you. So thank you, first and foremost. Second, I want to say this, okay? 12 people, seriously, at VBS accepted Christ? You know what they're doing in heaven? What? Come on. What are they doing in heaven? Come on. Come on. No, come on. It's okay. Get those droplets out there. Don't be afraid. Okay? 
Listen, guys, heaven is rejoicing right now. 12 people accepted Christ at your VBS? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I want to share with you in that excitement. Today's message is a bit from my life. It's from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Does anybody know that verse? Okay, we got one person. How's it start? Gotcha! Yeah, okay. So, okay. Sorry. Sorry. What's your name? Nice job, Nancy. Do be a anything but in by and uh-huh. Okay, ready, ready, ready? Now we're going to put a song to it. Ready? And the peace of God that transforms all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, you guys are going to know that by the end of this sermon. Okay? Uh, we, did this, uh, we did this teaching thing with, with, with youth, and we love to get them to sing. Okay? We love to get them to dance. We do, like, little motions and all that. So, like, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Biting your nails, right? It's because then they could remember it. Just like me, I, I could remember it that much better. And now Nancy can remember, right? <laughs> Good job, Nancy. It was, it was once said of uh, Samuel Chadwick, a Wesleyan Methodist minister during the late 1800s, that he was essentially a man of prayer. Every morning he would stir shortly after 6 o'clock, and he kept a little room which was his private sanctum for his quiet hour before breakfast. He was mighty in public prayer because he was constant in private devotion. When he prayed, he expected God to do something. But listen what he says. I wish I had prayed more, he wrote toward the end of his life. Even if I had worked less, and from the bottom of my heart, I wish I had prayed better. Really? J. Oswald Sanders wrote in his book, Spiritual Leadership, that the spiritual leader should outpace the rest of the church, get this, above all in prayer. Whose phone? (laughs) Wet noodle, buddy. J. Oswald Sanders wrote in his book, Spiritual Leadership, that the spiritual leader should outpace the rest of the church above all in prayer. (laughs) Prayer is indeed the Christian's vital breath and native air. But listen to this, a strange paradox. Most of us find it hard to pray. We do not naturally delight in drawing near to God. I want to share a story with you. When I interviewed to become a youth pastor umpteen years ago now, my first job as a youth pastor, I thought I got it all figured out, right? And I thought, okay, so I just came back from Bible school, and I'm ready to go. And I found out in that interview, as they're asking me questions, that I didn't really know a whole lot about youth ministry. I realized how green I was. And I was answering these questions and going on with my future father-in-law, by the way, not knowing it at the time. 
thank God he gave me grace. I realized that I was so green that really, I mean, I'd done a few internships and that sort of thing, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And I thought, God, do you really want me to be a youth pastor? Because I just don't got it all put together. And maybe you could help me through this, but right now I just don't know. And then I thought of a verse from Corinthians chapter 2, 1 and 4. Now, I could ramble this off right now, and you guys are go, that doesn't sound anything like it, but I'm going to ramble off what I call the Brad version, okay? <laughs> so what I said was, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you with eloquence or superior knowledge or wisdom. I came to you denying everything except for Jesus Christ and him crucified so that his glory may be revealed through me. And my future in law looked at me and said, I think you're the guy for the job. I just about fainted. All right, now let's hear what it actually says. When I came to you, I did not come to you with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Amen. Don't get me wrong, I served as an intern and all that, but seriously, when I said, God, you got this, everything was okay. When I came to him in prayer and I got down on my knees, I remember, I would get down on my knees at, at the church office and I would say, Lord, I don't know what in the world I'm doing. Would you just do something great? That's when he had it. But when I started to say, I got this, when I noticed that my dependence on the Lord was failing, because I said, ah, don't worry, God, hey, you had it before, but it's cool, I got it now. I'm trained. My dependence on the Lord tended to slip away. I want us to realize the importance of prayer. God's power only comes from plugging into the power source himself. Do you guys get that? God's power only comes from plugging into the power source himself. In Spain, we call that an enchufe. That means a plug-in, a power source. It only comes from dependence on him. So I think about my life. I think about all the things that we went through in Spain. I think about, God, what do you want to do through me? And I go back to that verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and Nancy, start us off. Do not be, do not be about but in, over here, by, and, Thanksgiving, don't forget Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the, of God, that, 
all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Right? Right? Amen? Amen. Okay, so now you guys know what we've been dealing with for the last two and a half years and what verse we've been clinging on to. E.M. Bounds, in his book, Power Through Prayer, says that we Christians are constantly stretching to devise new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the church and secure enlargement and efficiency of the gospel. This trend of the day has a tendency to lose sight of the individual or to sink the individual in the plan of or, or organization. I want you to hear this, though. God's plan, however is to make much of his people, far more of them than of anything else. Write this down. If you're a note taker, write this down. This is important. People are God's method. People are God's method. He goes on to say the Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men and women. He, anoint, he does not anoint plans, but men and women in prayer. We've got a video to share with you guys about what we have been experiencing in Spain, the difficulties of COVID, the difficulties in ministry transition, how you guys have been praying us through that. I just want to take a few minutes to watch this video. And I just pray that it blesses you guys, and we'll continue on in the message after. After. en Canarias. Estamos en un estado de ansiedad general inédito. Nos preocupa la salud primero, después el paisaje que va a quedar tras la batalla. Los abuelitos te dicen llorando, por favor, pásenme a una cama. ¿Y tú a quién decides pasar? Esto es una selección como en la guerra.
estamos desesperados, sobre todo por la falta de personal. This is the sounds that ring through our streets here in Madrid. We hear the police calling people into their homes because it's not safe. It's really an eerie feeling. This is from our apartment terrace. You can see behind me here, this is the only place that we can see out in the outdoors. that this is over soon a lot of people are really struggling right now and hurting because of coronavirus may God use this to bring people to Jesus Christ may he soften hearts through this
تيفاون دوك جنه كيما ظنت النهار زيد جيرت باش هاد السبينان ترفرق جارو السندر شهور هادي سكوسه وزكو جنه هادو واش نتفاو في المورث لي كافناين فاول تيم قراني تم قرانت تفوشت يجيحك من خنار تم زيان تزيري يجيحك من خجيرت امش ديالني <laughs> it's almost uh is the microphone on it's almost surreal to watch that to know that we went through that um that last footage of of when it looked like a cell phone was going through the hospital that was our friend she was a nurse and uh like some of the things that were said was for instance it was in spanish so you guys didn't understand it or maybe some of you did but it said it's like a war we decide who who lives and who doesn't People were showing up to the hospitals and they were go. I'm sorry, we, we can't get you in. You're, you're just a little too old. You have just a little too many health problems. This person actually qualifies in front of you. People had to choose. And this whole time we're like seeing all of this happen. I remember being on our terraza, our terrace out in front of our house, and I remember a helicopter flying into our little area, a police helicopter, making sure that we were staying in our home. I remember walking down the streets after just going to the grocery store and seeing police stops where they were going through the, the bags just to make sure you just went to the pharmacy or just went to the grocery store. Police stops on every zone of the city. And it's hard to believe that we went through that. And I'll just tell you, I thought we were a little messed up before, but now I think we're a little messed up. <laughs> okay, a little more messed up. So I look back at that time and I say, God, what were you doing in that time? And I'll tell you, we have had more conversations about Jesus. We've had more conversations about grace We've had more conversations about why God would ever allow this to happen than ever before. All of a sudden, all these people who didn't have any time had all the time in the world. And they thought and they imagined and they thought, what is my life like now and why am I not happy? Where is God and we were there for them. And we heard the messages. We had, we had people after, person after person come to us and say, I lost someone to COVID. They, they had so many bodies, they converted our ice skating rink in Madrid into a morgue. And I think, how did we live through that? The question is, I, I don't even know. I just know that God was with us. I know that your prayers were with us. And I know that we spent a lot of time on our knees, drawing closer to God. And I'll just tell you, the most common excuse 
for little time spent in prayer is the list of to-dos. Okay? All of a sudden, we didn't have any to-dos. In Sanders' book that I referenced earlier, he highlights that to Martin Luther, an extra load of duties was reason enough to pray more, not less. Here are his plans for the next day's work. Work. Work from early until late. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. My question to you is, why is our busyness keeping us from praying? Because it didn't stop Luther. If you look at the life of Jesus and seek to follow his example, you will surely believe in the necessity of prayer. Prayer was interwoven into the life of Jesus and at the forefront of all his teachings. In Luke 5.16, we see the daily practice of prayer in the life of Jesus. And he withdrew himself into the deserts and prayed. If prayer was not necessary, Jesus would not have done it. In Luke 6.12, we see that Jesus sometimes prayed all night. J.H. Jowett once said, All vital praying makes a drain of a man's vitality. True intercession is a sacrifice, a bleeding sacrifice. In Colossians 2.1, the Apostle Paul writes, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you. The Greek word used for struggle here is the root of our words, agony. J. Oswald Sanders refers to a prayer as a strenuous spiritual exercise that demands the utmost mental discipline and concentration. Followers of Jesus are called to pray in the Spirit, Ephesians 6.18. In Sanders' book, he, he notes that there are two important reasons for this. Number one, or first, we are to pray in the realm of the Spirit, for the Holy Spirit is the sphere and the atmosphere of the Christian's life. Such praying transacts its business in the heavenly realms. And second, we are to pray in the power and energy of the Spirit. Give give yourselves wholly to the prayer and entreaty. Pray on every occasion in the power of the Spirit. And lastly, I want to tell you just one, one quick story. How are we doing on time? Doing okay? That must be a yes. Give me a thumbs up if we're doing okay. Got everybody's attention? Okay, my boy Cam is not in here right now, so I'll share this with you. The first night that we arrived in Spain. Our son Camden, now keep in mind we are staying in, the, in an apartment right above the ministry center where we are ministering, okay? Our son Camden, he came running into us. I'm going to get emotional. I better watch it. As we were laying in our bed, Sarah and I, and he in a night terror. He was, didn't even know kind of what was going on. He looked right on our bed and he yells out, It's you! It's you! 
And he started pointing to this thing that was there in his mind. And he started screaming and yelling and couldn't even come close to our bed. Do you remember this? And the only thing we could think to do at that moment was just pray and just go, God, you got our son. He belongs to you. Satan, leave now in the blood of Jesus. You must go. And we watched as our son just drooped, just, oh. And we look at that moment and we say, wow, what a warm welcome to Spain. And some of you guys, you know, I don't know how you feel about this. Maybe, maybe you think that's spiritual warfare. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But I know that I felt like, and I know Sarah did too, that was a nice little work, welcome. A nice little, <clears throat> you got to make sure that you're going to leave. You're going home. First night, you're not even going to make it. We know that our enemy, Satan, will try to depress. He'll try to create doubt. He'll discourage us. He'll try to keep us from communion with God. And we must oppose Satan in prayer. For our struggle is not with flesh and but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 6.12 Prayer is spiritual warfare. Jesus has given us the power to overcome the enemy. Our enemy is not a people group. It's not a religion. For instance, the people who, who we serve the people who come around us that feel like, you know, this is a bit dangerous, they're not our enemy. Our enemy is Satan. He is the one with whom we do spiritual battle. The one who longs to see lives destroyed and not redeemed. Lastly, we can't just believe in the power that is available to us in prayer. We have to practice it. We have to pray. We have to realize the importance of prayer. We have to be on our knees daily. When we meet somebody and they say, I've been praying for you since the day that I picked up your card two and a half years ago when you shared at my church. You don't know what that does to us. You don't know what we're thinking in our mind. So I look back at that video. I look at the ministry transition. I look at where God has us now, working with the international church, working with the Spanish church plant that we serve with, seeing all of these great things that have come out of it. I look at all the struggles that Spain went through. I look at all the things that my family has went through and I come back to that verse and let's turn to it in our Bibles, okay? Philippians 4.
Okay, verse 4. We'll start with that one. First it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then he says what? Do not be, over here first. Do not be anxious, right? About anything. But in, by prayer and Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all, will guard your and your in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks. I appreciate y'all allowing me to share with you today. May God bless you immensely. Thank you for partnering with us in this ministry.